Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram Aaron underscore Dugan. A little pause from our State of the Union this week as we're going to talk combine. We're going to talk quarterbacks. Uh, we got Trey Wallace from Outkick on to talk everything. Basically, that guy covers everything across the SEC. Uh, I've known that guy for a long time. So we're going to talk with Trey Wallace of Outkick. We're going to discuss the Texas Texas A&M game and where the perfect time where the perfect place to play that game might be. Um, it seems like, Aaron, everybody's super happy in this league right now, which mm-hmm. means we are destined for disappointment. So which teams <laughs> are destined for disappointment in 2023? Uh, and, of course, again, Hugh Freeze is already out there uh, screaming about how you know how awesome his first day of spring practice at Auburn was. It was the most perfect first spring practice day of, in the history of spring practice in the SEC. Uh, well, so what Hugh- would you expect? Exactly. So uh, some expectations. Uh, We're going to talk about Anthony Richardson just in general here because I want to talk about the combine, Aaron. Yep. And I want to get into the combine, but there's also something Anthony Richardson did that I think ties into this bizarro Brandon Miller situation at Alabama. Um, I I will say after Trey, after we talked to Trey a little bit later on the show, we gave away a hat last week on the show from university, from university traditions, our good friends, our good friends over at university traditions. I'm sporting one. Now, if you go to the YouTube page, turn on the notifications, of course, let me see Uh, that shit. That that one's that one. I'm sporting one right now. Oh Uh, yeah. That's nice. Congrats to Brandon who won an Alabama hat. Uh, Of course, it's not technically, it's not legally an Alabama hat. Uh, You know what I mean? But it's like an arts. It's an artsy way to be a yeah. sports fan. Yeah. Sean, speaking, he won it by knowing Sean Young. Sean P Diddy Combs is nope. Dugan's name, we, um, and Sean would love that hat. By the way, that's definitely his style. We would have accepted any of those names: uh, P Diddy, P Diddy Combs, Aaron's Young brother. Sean. It, well, so everybody knew it was Aaron's brother, but oh, okay. I got I got a Sean answer and Brandon. Congratulations on the hat. Wow. We're gonna give one a, we're gonna we're gonna give one away later on. In the show, we're going to give another one away. So we're going to do this periodically because our good friends, University Traditions, they're awesome. So we love those guys. And this is why you listen to Fringe Elements because sometimes you get free shit. That's what you do. You come here mm-hmm. uh, and you get free shit. Uh, okay, so I want to just I want to talk about Anthony Richardson and all the bizarro narratives that are going to come out of the combine this week. Do a little prediction myth busting for people. But I do want to point out we talked. Stephen and I talked last week uh, about the Brandon Miller situation. Um, you know, he there was some another. Part of the story is that he, you know, he does the pat down thing um, the very next night and it's just completely tone deaf um, when a victim is like dealing with a a tragedy and a loss of a loved one. It's just it's absolutely ridiculous. I don't think he's a criminal or anything, but like I think he should be suspended for a couple of games while they kind of pay their respects or maybe take a PR victory or something. But I wanted to point out Anthony Richardson in all of this because we're about to be inundated with like just Anthony Richardson obsession from the combine. People are going right. to be like, "Oh my god, look at his delts. Oh my god, look how fast he is. Look at his traps." Like they're just going to be obsessed. <laughs> they're going to use all those weird recruiting terms. You know what I mean? No, don't like, even please don't list him off. He's got a tremendous V-shaped torso. What is the one that you always say that grosses Fle- me out so? Flesh much? bomb. He's a flesh, he's a flesh bomb. It's <laughs> so disgusting. That that is a former um that was a that was a former rivals and coworker of mine that coined the phrase flesh bomb. Did he did, um, was he trying to be funny when he did it? I got to know. A little bit of I think it's a little bit of like It sounds like a Chris Childers like gross. No, no, thing. it wasn't it wasn't Childers. Childers not I know a, it a wasn't, scout. but it sounds like it would be. I think what yeah, I think what happens is is these scouts like run out of phrases 
because they have to talk about 2000 recruits every year. And so they just like run out of phrases to say, like, he's an explosive athlete. <laughs> yeah. And flesh bomb was not it, guys. Sorry. Flesh bomb was still my favorite. One OK, move on. But but point is, is Anthony Richardson is going to there's going to be just it's people are going to be drooling over Anthony Richardson when he when, when we're done with the combine this time next week. And, and I wanted to point out one note as it pertains to the Brandon Miller situation. If you mm-hmm. remember, Anthony Richardson's nickname was AR-15. And Anthony Richardson decided at the beginning of the season back in the summer that, you know what, I just didn't want to go by that anymore, considering whatever. And maybe there's a, a PR team involved in that or NIL or Florida publicity or whatever. Point is, he decided that nickname wasn't that important to him in light of, you know, the world. <laughs> right, right. And, and and he just thought, you know what, I, I don't know. Now, hypothetically, had he gone all in on keeping the nickname, you could imagine the blowback if Roger Goodell announces his name at the podium of the draft. And they're like, a- Anthony, AR-15 Richardson, because he's so committed to the ri- to the to the nickname. And and, you know, there's like probably going to be like five school shootings between now and then. Like it, it's going to it would come off extremely tone deaf. It would come off extremely. um I, I don't know. Classless is not the right term. It's kind of glorifying. It's the same reason, like, you know all these people are worried about these video games that kids are playing because it's just bringing like this levity to a very like dangerous method of i don't know you know weapon and all that i don't know it just he's right i know you you had a that was only the dependent part of your clause and you were going to finish that thought but i'm i'm agreeing with him that that would be pretty tone deaf especially like at the draft or coming from roger goodell's mouth or something well and you guys can imagine like the the far left extreme people would like lose their shit over a nickname which is not anything anybody should lose their mind over um but also the far right is going to completely be tone deaf and lose their mind over you know ignoring the fact that we have major gun violence problems in this country like it's both sides would be angry no matter what so i think anthony richardson just sort of did a smart thing and he just said you know what i'm just not going to be a part of this like i don't need it it's not that he doesn't need it and and it was something it was a super smart move by him and it's not comparable to what Brandon Miller did at, in warmups of a game. Like, I think Brandon Miller to me is far more involved in something terrifying and disgusting than, than, you know, we, maybe we ever will know. He's the only one who knows like what his motivation yeah, was. Nobody. He, yeah. We don't know, but, and, and he's not going to be, there's no, ch- there's no charge. There's no criminal activity here, but like he, you know, <laughs> we, we know what happened. And then he went out the very next day after the testimony and did the pat down ceremony in pregame warmup, which is what he'd been doing the entire season so it's not crazy but like it, it's just so tone deaf so i wanted to point out anthony richardson did something that he didn't have to do because he was the opposite of tone deaf if that makes sense it he does was make a, sense. he was aware he had perspective and i like that about him i think that it's the difference uh verse from like getting it caught versus getting it right <laughs> or sorry getting caught versus getting yeah. it right getting it caught um, Getting it caught, getting caught versus getting it right. Just preemptively, you know, we always forget these are kids essentially, but just being in command of your own narrative in a good way, getting out in front of it and making sure that you're doing the right thing and you don't have to be scolded. Not only because it's, it is the right thing to do and it was smart. It's just, it also keeps these 
athletes from dealing with, they have enough pressure going off from dealing with negative feedback on the back end, even when something is, as you know, it didn't mean to be harmful, like AR 15, how that right, started right. That, you know, it just kind of came to be. Um, and it's just and a nickname. It's just a nickname. It's not hurting anybody, you know, doing, doing it late versus, uh, Doing it late versus being in front of it is something that we run into as sports a lot. We talk about it a lot with NIL. We talked about it in a lot of different capacities. We talked about it with Roger Goodell. We talked about it with CTE. Just getting out in front of this stuff shows, I think it says a lot about Anthony Richardson and um, just, you know, you're living in this world of SEC football, but there's a much bigger world out there outside of yeah. that. And I think it says a lot about his character. Like, again, if I'm, if it's such an easy win to be like, look, there's four games left in the regular season. Brandon Miller's not going to play for these four games. And, and like, it doesn't hurt his draft stock. NBA scouts don't care. Uh, it doesn't hurt Alabama's seeding in the NCAA tournament. It has almost no effect to, again, to anybody. And he could just be like, they could just say, look, in light of the situation to being sensitive to the family, we would just, we just don't think it's the right time for him to be out there. And like it could have been four games and like he comes back for the SEC tournament and it's no big deal. But like at least it sends some sort of a, a signal or a message to the victim's family that we care about what you think. And imagine if we're going to the combine. So let's move forward off of Brandon Miller. Well, can I ask a question really yeah, quick? Yeah. Go for it. So how I guess my question, too, from just like working in an athletic department is if this is something he's been doing. Uh, leading up to this, why wasn't that something that was addressed uh, by the sports information director or by the administration or someone on the social media team or someone in television at Florida to be like, hey, I know you do Al this every Alabama, week. Yeah. Sorry, Alabama. I'm just or, thinking or about it. How Anthony about the guy who pats him down? Yeah, that too. <laughs> like that guy. It just should um, have been there. There should have yeah, been yeah. better foresight. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah. And so what I want to kind of the reason I wanted to bring it up is not to talk about belabor the point on Brandon Miller, but like right. to look at it. Like if Anthony Richardson still was in love with that nickname and wanted that nickname, we'd be going to the combine and we would not leave the combine talking about his size and his speed and his athleticism and the potential and the upside and the, you know, and there's going to be some other weird narratives that are going to come out of this because there's so many good SEC quarterbacks going into the combine. Jalen Carter and Will How Will uh, Anderson are probably going to, you know, <laughs> make, make everybody drool as well. But like I could just see social media. Just a, just going after Anthony Richardson for having this AR-15 nickname, if that's all he was going by in the combine. Like if on the back of his uniform, you know, it's AR-15 there. And he's like, I could just see it taking over the conversation and that not being really fair to him. Because, again, it's just a stupid nickname. And just a, like, again, it's just a, a moment to say, look, I, whether it was him or his staff or his PR team or the Florida social media, somebody said, hey, let's maybe go the other direction with this. And it was an easy victory for Anthony Richardson. So, um, and there's a story there, not only in, in making sure that it's not, he's still sending a message in another way. There's like two stories going on of actively taking it away and what message that's sending to kids who look up to him. Um, and you know, actively there's a story in the sense that like, I don't want this to be the story, but also there's a story in taking right. that away and sending a message of like violence, isn't it? And I'm not going to stand for it. So it's just removing a, a, a an un unnecessary PR risk. From and your you're life. right. That That's would be, have been more of the talk. He did. It was smart. It was smart yeah. and right. <laughs> Um, so I think Richardson's going to come away. I think he could go. I think he could come out of the combine as the number one quarterback on draft boards. I would not take him number one. I like him at three. I still like Bryce Young at one. I think Bryce Young is going to come out of this thing. Like, I think CJ Stroud's going to end up being number one because Bryce Young's going to go into the combine and he's not going to throw. Richardson, Will Levis are going to throw. Hendon Hooker's going to be there, probably going to wow everybody with his interviews. 
there's some really elite quarterbacks from the SEC at this event. I, I think Bryce Young is just, they're going to, the whole story is good. He's going to fall a couple slots, not in like GM's minds, because I think everybody knows he's the best quarterback. I think he could fall a few slots on like social media, on the, you know, on, on, you know, where, where websites need clicks, where fans like to scream and yell, like sort of like in the ether of, of draft mm -hmm. coverage. I think Bryce Young is sort of like, flies through the weekend and the only thing anybody has to say about him is that he's just too small and too short and we don't know about that and i i would still i have him at number one on my board i will have him at number one on my board next week no matter yeah. what happens this week i we've talked a, i don't know how much we want to dig into the combine stuff but i think we you and i've talked a lot about and even talked before the show today about how much weight's put on the combine and that it's it's really um people on the outside think that the combine matters a lot more than i personally think that it does but you can definitely i feel like there's only so much you can unless your 40 time has improved drastically right um and your speed and you're able to show that or there's there's ways to go up in the combine but in my mind from being there and seeing it firsthand and you know be i was doing a documentary when i went to the combine with Jawan williams and to me seeing how it operated that that thing's about mental toughness honestly more than anything yep. they're trying to get under your skin they're trying to see if you'll admit to things in your past they know things about your past that they're trying to see if you'll get rattled if you get nervous how do you play if you have a lack of sleep how do you play they'll change your 40 time by four hours on you and move it forward to 6 a.m instead of 10 a.m yep. when you're in a different time zone at the drop of a dime so it's a lot about mental toughness so i'm with you that I, you know, on the Bryce Young stuff and everything that you just that you just said. Um, but I do think it's harder to climb. It's harder to climb than you might think at the combine unless your 40 time has improved a whole, whole lot or something, you know, very metric like uh, your strength or your speed. But it is, I think, easier to fall based on how you do under pressure. I, 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 I agree. And most GMs will tell you this is exclusively about getting to know the player and, yes. and frankly, their medical stuff. But but again, I think you said it at the very what, what I didn't I can't remember what the phrase you used at the very beginning of your your take there, which was like it it, it the, to, to the football people nothing really changes. You're just trying to yeah. you're just trying to uh, validate the tape that you see from on Saturdays with some some statistical metrics. But really, you're just trying to get to know these guys and do some medical eval. So again, like the the way this the perception of these players changes because it's all about the media and what's said on Twitter and here's a little viral clip on NFL network. And here's this, like none of that is an actual NFL GM changing his mind about a player. It's yeah. all like, it's all just like chatter, like around the thing. And I think the chatter is going to be, Oh my God, Anthony Richardson is the physical specimen like Josh Allen. And if you've ever watched Florida play football, I hope most of you listening to the show have, you don't need to be told that already. You already know that <laughs> about Anthony yeah. Richardson. Um, I think Will Levis has a lot to prove in every category, both in the interviews, throwing the ball. I think he's going to test really well physically. Hendon Hooker has a lot to prove from a medical evaluation standpoint. Of course, the talking points for Hendon Hooker are going to be like, oh, my God, what a mature young man. There's like it, you can already tell what the, the ether is going to say. I just think Richardson's going to go up. I think Young is going to come down, not in real life, on actual draft boards, but in like the the media Twitter verse perception of a person. And I think Bryce young is going to be like, he's not throwing and they're just going to be like, Oh man, he's a little too, he's, he's five, 10 and a half. He's one ninety nine. I don't know if, I don't know if he can play. And then I, every other, every NFL GM is like, don't care. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't, don't care. They know. There's so much sports science behind all that. They know. They can, yeah. um, uh, quickly here, uh, quick note. I actually, uh, I want to dive more into this company at some point, maybe during the off season. There's a, there's a Nashville based company called S2 Cognition mm-hmm. and it is, it, it, it measures processing speed, mental processing speed. And it is, it says the report is, is that this 2023 quarterback class is the highest scoring class they've ever had as a group in terms of processing. Wow. Speed. So again, wow. this, this is a new metric to learn that to me is still far more important than anything you're going to see in the underwear Olympics this weekend. How do they, yeah, right. How do they collect that metric? Do you know? Um, I'd have to dive deeper. I, this is why I want to dive deeper into the company um, because it's all about cognition tests and sort of r- rapid processing. How quickly and accurately can you process information? I, again, it's what a quarterback has to do in seconds, pre-snap, post-snap, whatever, but it's a cool, it's a cool new little thing that they're, yeah, that is cool. I, I, I listen, I'm all for, Smarter science, not give me smarter tech, not not more tech. Yep, I'm with you. <laughs> um, so that's the that's my combine take. Otherwise, there's like a boatload of SEC players that are going going to go in the first round. Anderson, I think Anderson and Carter are both better than the Hutchinson and Walker combination from last year. But we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. all right. So let's get into. Uh, I want to talk about Texas and Texas A and M. And I want to talk. So I saw some some reports and I I reached out to some people about this as well. It seems like our assumption that the three and six models coming, which I think we all know, but that Texas's three permanent crossovers would be Oklahoma, Texas A&M and Arkansas. Pretty straightforward. (laughs) But I saw a note from Ross Bjork, the athletic director for A&M, saying that they've heard like I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but like they've heard some rumors that it's going to be LSU, obviously Texas. And Mississippi State. First of all, I love that L- you know me. I've, I love this LSU A and M rivalry. I'm obsessed with it more than a, an average person should be who has no vested interest in the game <laughs> itself. Right. Um, but I think that's really cool. It, it has been said that it's going to take place in Kyle Field and Texas A and M first, the first year they play. Which you know, news to Texas, but whatever. A <laughs> and M's in the SEC yeah. right now. Right. Um, but there's an interesting scheduling note that I that I caught my eye. I could probably tell you. Did they say why? Because if they didn't, I could probably tell you. What? What why it's gonna Te- take place first? Texas A and M because of over COVID, all the SEC schools were already completely SEC broadcast and ESPN capable from a television perspective. And since Texas hasn't been completely absorbed and all that hasn't gone in, there's probably just more broadcast capability for I mean, Texas A and M. They have their own network. No, I know, but it's not, it's not ESPN. No, I get that, but it's it's not ES. It's owned by ESPN. (laughs) Okay. I wonder if they have all the same technology. I wonder if they have all the same stuff in place. That's, it may not be as as good as the SEC network. I just wonder how they pick and how you don't piss the other one off. That's why. That's the whole point is to piss the other one off. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even kidding. Like, like A&M is like, no, of course it's going to happen here first. You motherfuckers. (laughs) Like that's, that's all it is. That's funny. It's all it is. It's like we want the game first, and we're going to get the game first, and you suck it like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Um, maybe there is some tech stuff there. Maybe maybe they, could, maybe they could use that as a crutch to convince the SEC. My argue, I, my take is, is that Texas A and M is in the SEC already, and they have access to the commissioner and to scheduling, and they're probably going to get what they want first over the team that's probably. new new to the SEC. Makes sense. Uh, but it leads to an interesting scheduling note because if those are the permanent crossovers again or permanent rivals um for AM, which would be Texas, LSU, and Mississippi State, there's really no place to play the game because every team in the SEC 
You mean uh, date? Date. Sorry, date. Yes. Yeah. Um, time on the calendar. The every single team has a permanent rival kind of already scheduled in the final weekend on Thanksgiving, which is where the A&M Texas game used to be played. I've been to two of them. They were awesome in the nineties as like a middle schooler. They were amazing. I've gone. It's spectacular, but you've got the four ACC rivalry games that take place at that time. You've got iron bowl. You've got egg bowl. You've got, you know, Tennessee Vandy takes place at that same weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, like Arkansas, Missouri's that weekend. Like you literally don't have an opponent. If Texas and Texas A&M bowl, play that, yeah play that weekend, you don't have an opponent for LSU. So if they keep the LSU A&M game on Thanksgiving weekend, like it's been the last 12 years, where are you going to play the Texas Texas A&M game on the schedule? Because Texas has to play the Oklahoma game at the state fair right around week six or seven. I got an idea. Week effing one. Every year, Texas, Texas A&M alternating sites every year week number one baby tell me why that not would be one of the best possible ways to start an sec football season every single season yeah it would be freaking awesome and like you 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 know you brought up this idea before we hopped on and you alluded to you know all that'd be freaking awesome for the fans and awesome for tv which by the way tv always wins um the schools might just want like uh everyone wants to go one and oh um at the beginning of the season so like you mentioned you're like well i don't know how much the schools are gonna like it it again it won't matter tv will win that because money wins it the theme continues but it would be freaking awesome from an excitement a spectator standpoint and you have a lot of capability in that week one um to we're used to having, and so is TV used to having games that aren't just on Saturday. They start on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So it'd be the only game on potentially, which I bet they would schedule it like this to be Texas A&M and Texas, wherever, whatever it takes to put them in their own spot on week one. I mean, you got the whole world watching. Well, that's an exaggeration. I, you got I, the whole Southeast watching. No, I don't know, man. Like And unless, West. and unless, unless you're going like Ohio State, Notre Dame or something. There, there's yeah. there's not many matchups in any conference that would be able to touch a Texas Texas A and M game from a rating standpoint, especially if they are as invested with Steve Sarkeesian and Jimbo Fisher the way they currently are, like for the next mm-hmm. few years for the foreseeable future. If they're both going to be pretty good, uh, although that's maybe asking a lot of A and M, uh, considering. Um, I, I just, I, I sure can you make week two like a total pushover cupcake for both of them every week every year? Sure. Can, can you? Yeah. I mean, like, can you maybe guarantee some neutral site game in there in week three or four where that allows them to generate some revenue? Because that's what teams do in week one is they play these neutral site games for paychecks, maybe. Mm-hmm. But man, I'm just saying, like, imagine the, the the conversations around practice, around those camps, around those two communities, around SEC circles, just like the the, the buildup to know that. I mean, imagine how does your like blood feel? Like, how does your blood feel, Aaron? Like the 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 Sunday after the final, like we're heading into Iron Bowl week. Mm-hmm. Like we know what happens to that state. Egg Bowl week, same thing. Like Ohio State, Michigan, doesn't matter. We know how the how everything feels. Yeah, building up to those games. Imagine having like that for six weeks every year. I know. <laughs> like just that would be every day awesome. of every day of camp. Well, how are you going to stop so and so? How are you going to prepare for so and so? God, it'd be, it'd be so awesome. 
I will say, I was trying to think of the reasons, like what would be like, what would be good about it being on Thanksgiving week, which they said, there's no spot for it there. I well, mean, it's, it's been there forever. It, it's, it's always been there. So that's, that's tradition, you know, but no, I mean, I mean, because of the LSU thing, like there's not, I said spot for it. I meant time unless you up, unless you turn over that 12 year tradition of Texas A&M LSU. And then that mess up other things like trickle down. No, effect, no right? there's no, there's no other, like, so what would happen is LSU and Oklahoma would have to play every year because they're, they'd be the only two teams without a locked in game. Yeah, like, tr truly. Mm -hmm. Every team has a game already that like, and that would ruin the three and six model because then you have two teams that have four and or or five. just or mm -hmm. you just have to make LSU and Oklahoma a permanent game. Yeah. Yeah. And it then, just complicates things too much. Also, like. I don't know. It's but, better. It's also better for College Station, I will say. Um, and or well, college it's it's better for the um it's better probably for the actual college town themselves to oh you're thinking you're thinking like you're thinking like thanksgiving people are out of town they don't go to the games as much well that, that game's gonna be full no matter what yeah, that, <laughs> so that that crossed my mind and i'm like that's not an that's actually not an issue i mean the egg bowl like we how many how many reporters from Ole miss and mississippi state have joked about having what does godfrey say like got uh, i've had so many gas station thanksgivings <laughs> like covering oh yeah because people show bowl. up so that yeah, was in my yeah. mind for a second and then i again backed off it before it even came out of my mouth because so, it makes sense to me, the obvious argument, and both schools will say this, both coaches will say this, everyone's going to say this, and it's why it's probably not going to happen, is that you kind of aren't who you are until you get into like, you know, six, seven weeks in. But like, sorry, guy, like you only have twelve games. You got to play big opponents at big opponents at some point. Why not? Why not come out of the the gate swinging every single year with like your one of your biggest rivals in the entire. That sport. argument won't win it. That argument's not strong enough to beat the money argument. Man, if I'm TV, I'm pushing real hard. Oh, for, I'm. They'll uh, win it. When you brought that up, I'm like, there's no way. I mean, I guess there's in a world that maybe that that wouldn't happen, but I don't see it because as soon as you said that, I'm like, cha-ching. Yeah, and here's the other way you can make a fortune off of it. You 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 play one at home, one on the road, one neutral, in Dallas. One at home, one at, on the road, one neutral. Now that's bad for the fans. I don't like that idea. But that's how you make a. That's how you add incentive to both Texas and A and M to make it the first game every year. Is to is to every third game you both get a huge paycheck for it. Like that, that mm -hmm. would change. That could that could change the dynamic to some degree. Like play at a Cowboys Stadium every. Play it at Arlington, yeah, in Jerry, in Jerry World. You'd make a fortune off that game. You could give both teams ten million bucks a pop. Like it, no no problems. Uh, all right. So expectations. We're gonna get to Trey Wallace here coming up. He talked about you know the new new defensive coordinator for Florida. He talked about. Uh, all different kinds of stuff. Quarterback battles. We we talked about expectations. Tennessee and LSU, um, which kind of brought, you know, Hugh Freeze going bananas over his one single day of spring practice. Got me thinking. I went back and looked at all of the over-under totals for last year. And I think a lot of the narrative going into last season was everyone seems to be pretty happy with where they are, except for Auburn, right? But Auburn doesn't count. Um, LSU hit the over. Mississippi State hit the over. Ole Miss hit the over. Um, let's see here. South Carolina hit the over. Georgia hit the over. Vanderbilt hit the over. Tennessee hit the over. Missouri hit the over. Kentucky basically pushed. Florida hit the under by one. Tennis Texas A&M obviously went under. Uh, Alabama went under, but like they yeah, won but it's, they it's won relative. Exactly right. Arkansas. I think you could argue that Texas A&M obviously the biggest disappointment. I think Florida fans are probably a little disappointed in their season. I think Kentucky fans are okay. It could have been better. Um. But it's not all that different this year, Aaron. We still have almost everybody. 
pretty fired up about their team. Arkansas fans probably a little disappointed with last year. Yeah. But like most everybody now, even Auburn included, is pretty happy with their coaching situation. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. doesn't feel normal or sustainable at all. Are we not setting like who of these teams are like so many of these teams are going to aren't there going to be a bunch of disappointments because we're we have so many high expectations like Tennessee fans now expect to be in the playoff race like <laughs> yep LSU fans now expect to win the division that was not where we were last summer no expect or hope uh, either I don't think any LSU or Tennessee fan even the most optimistic would have predicted what happened with those two teams last year no no I think to the what you kind of run into is the same sand instead of stone argument. And I'm not saying that teams that hit the over aren't, um, you know, solidified, like much improved absolutely are. But, you know, just because you win 10 games doesn't mean you're going to win 10 games the next season. Mm, no. Like you, you're probably, it does mean that teams like South Carolina teams like, um, like South Carolina, I mean, Georgia, obviously it, even better than last season, argue well they're they're both pretty good but just like even you know Ole Miss had it was on definitely on the up and you can't argue it Tennessee's definitely on the up and you couldn't argue it LSU's you know there are lots of improvements it does not mean that uh it does not mean that you're going to win 10 games again does not mean that you're going to win nine games again doesn't mean you're going to hit the over again right um so yeah and you're right there is oftentimes people or at least one or two or three or more teams in the SEC that are not happy with where they are. They got to wait on a contract buyout. They know that they need a coaching switch after the next season. They don't have a quarterback that's working. But in the large scheme of things, this is a the pot's going to boil over because too many people think that they're going to be too good, and there's not enough potential W's on the calendar I, for that to happen. I, I it, it, that's like the fact that LSU and Tennessee could have like nine and a half nine over under win totals like that is begging for disappointment um i do think lsu has much better staying power than than tennessee and we'll talk about this with trade in just a second but like south carolina's one like south carolina fans expectations have changed dramatically <laughs> like and nobody really knows i I'm, I'm sorry i'm doing this again south carolina fans oh you're gonna get eaten alive by my, my friends haven't, haven't learned my lesson yet two straight years haven't learned my lesson like somebody is going to be disappointed like all these fan bases are happy right now and things could change in the summertime. There could be injuries. There could be transfer portal additions. There could be coaching, even some like assistant changes. But like, I, I don't know, like other than Georgia, even Alabama, I, I could see if they have yet another like 10 and two season, people being like, man, I don't know, <laughs> like being disappointed. That's I mean, all relative. I'd like to take Georgia and Alabama out of this equation because that's fair. That that's just there. That's all relative to them. Yeah, Alabama, you lose one or two games. It's a it whatever. They're not the ones. It's like that LSU, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Tennessee. That whole argument. I I think Texas A and M is going to need more time. I mean, they and they were not under anyway. I think. The only thing I think that could maybe allow Tennessee, South Carolina, and some of those teams that we just rattled off LSU to have a season that would they'd be happy to walk away with is I think that Texas A&M needs more time. I think Florida needs more time, even though Florida fans aren't going to, want to hear that. And I, unfortunately, because you all know how much I fangirl over Arkansas, even though I didn't go there, I think Arkansas <laughs> needs another rebuilding year. Um, but you're still – 
that's still a lot of teams that think they're going to walk away with some outstanding I, seasons. Still not really enough. No, like you're, you're, Arkansas is fascinating to me because you talked about like, I don't, I think they viewed last year as, all right, we were, we had some injuries. So-and-so got hurt. <clears throat> and that's the reason why we struggled. And the defense got lost some players. We lost, you know, safety in the first game and blah, 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 blah. Well, now we got KJ Jefferson coming back. We got a new coordinator. Like I, I think there's going to be a lot of optimism around Arkansas and that I would put them in this list of be careful what you wish for. Um, I, here's the, here's my list because to, to your point, I don't think you can put A&M or Florida or Auburn into this conversation. Although Auburn might be over at skis already. Anyway, um, I think L Florida and A&M are kind of a, a removed from this because they were quote unquote disappointing last year. And they don't have the expectations that like a South right. Carolina would have right now. Yeah, I get and, you. And I don't know what to make of Mississippi State because the obvious unprecedented nature of the, right. the situation. But like Will Rogers is thrown for a gazillion yards and he's back for his like third full, fourth full season. Like there, there, there are expectations around Mississippi State. The teams I would put on this list, LSU, Ole Miss, you kept Lane Kiffin, you paid him nine million, Arkansas, South Carolina and Tennessee for sure have monstrous expectations now. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to make of Kentucky. Um, I think Missouri is sort of like cautiously optimistic. I think Vanderbilt is cautiously optimistic, which I think is fair and right and accurate. I think if, Vanderbilt is healthily in a probably healthy spot. <laughs> yeah. I, I think like, they're like, if they get, if they go five and seven again, are fans going to be upset? Probably not. No. <laughs> yeah. So, so again, cautiously optimistic that, that to me, that says rational. Yeah, yeah, it's rationality for sure. Like, I think Kentucky's the weird one where I think they've sort of like started to have this level of expectation that's new under Mark Stoops. And now they got Devin Leary and Liam Cohen and the offense is going to be better. And, it, you know, I feel like there's. But they've been used to plateaus more than some of these other schools because it's been a slow build. Yeah. Whereas Tennessee, like the high is higher when it's like peaking and falling, peaking and falling. And yeah. Kentucky's been on this steady incline, but Tennessee. Uh, so I think with, what did you just make me think of with, um, so with Arkansas specifically, it's to me, the expectation is it's going to be harder for South Carolina fans to not have what they're expecting than it is for Arkansas because Arkansas just okay. got Arkansas just quote unquote, at least slightly underachieved for what they hoped and okay. what we thought okay. and all that okay. South Carolina overachieved for what they thought. And I think the fall from the top is, is longer and yeah. harder. I think that's and so those two are kind of, I think in the same boat, but this fans expectations are a little bit different. So if South Carolina doesn't get hit what they want, it's going to hurt worse. I, well, and you talked about Kentucky football. They're used to like Kentucky basketball fans are Looney Tunes. The football fans are getting there, but they're not quite there yet. Right. Tennessee and South Carolina are a bunch of Looney Tunes. Like yeah, they're just, it went like zero to a hundred as we're like Kentucky's like up kind of plateau up yeah, kind of plateau. Yeah. And, well, and they're just, I just think the fan bases are bigger. They're just bigger football fan bases that are crazier and sillier and sometimes dumber and you know, more, more loony again, just uh, as I, right. I try not to use cray, the word crazy. I try not to use the word crazy with my daughters. I try to say uh looney tune and that's the funniest, most uh, unoffensive way, inoffensive way to say that. Right. Um, I Ole Miss, I think fans are over the, you know, they're pretty fired up about this team. LSU top 10 preseason team, potentially. So um, there's it's a lot a of teams, year. a lot of teams with a lot of expectations. And so there's one final message here. 
And we're going to hear from Trey Wallace here in just a second. We'll give away a hat from University Traditions as well. So make sure you stay tuned to after the interview. But there's just one final message here, which is like expect the unexpected in college football. And it is impossible for this many fan bases to be this happy this many years in a row. It's just not possible. It's not it's not how the world works. And so I don't know who it is. I don't South Carolina fans. Maybe it's not you. And maybe I'm wrong to to think you're qualified for this list. But I think you are. Uh, you're not just being pessimistic there. There's actually not enough potential wins on the schedule for everybody. Yeah, it, it's it like. And again, I think eight out of eight, eight or nine teams last year, uh, I think nine teams hit the over and a bunch hit the under. But like the under again, one of them was Bama winning 10 games. That was an under, <laughs> Um, it, you know, like. Arkansas won six games under seven and a half. Kentucky went seven and five. They were their win total was seven, seven and a half. Okay. So like, again, we're talking about teams that barely hit the, hit the under A&M was the only one that was just a total dumpster fire. Like Mm -hmm. there's going to be somebody that's just a dumpster fire here. Like, Mm -hmm. like statistically the odds have shown us that one of these teams and it's the teams that are going to be rated are going to be LSU, Ole Miss, Arkansas, South Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky. They're all going to be kind of up in the, you know, from like number eight in the nation to like number 30 in the nation, right? Like they're that, that, that next mm-hmm. tier. And, uh, I just, <laughs> people need to expect. So you think it's going to be something. South Carolina? Cue no, every, no, no. Cue I think it's all Tennessee. of my friends. I think it's texting Tennessee. Me, texting me in the next 24 hours being like, Brayden just hates us. This is bullshit. I'm waiting <laughs> for it. But you know what? They're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's totally South Carolina. No, I think it's Tennessee. If I had to guess, I think it's Tennessee and Arkansas. Those are two that I would put on that list. I think LSU is going to be really salty. Um, but Continue I, the Braden apology saga. See you guys here next see, same I'm, time next year. Now I'm not even being objective. Now I'm like, it probably is South Carolina in my mind, but now I'm like scared to say it, you know? Yeah, because people <laughs> are just, I'm scared for you to say it because my phone's about to blow up. That's okay. If you were telling me to take the under and it's like eight for South Carolina, eight and a half for Tennessee, you know, seven and a half for Arkansas, I think I'd take the under on all three of those. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to be on the South Carolina wrong side of history. Yeah. Yeah. Old Beamer, old, old Beamer ball. Old Beamer <laughs> ball does it again. Um, we love you, South Carolina fans. All right. So uh, we're, we're going to give away a hat. Suck up. We're going to give away a hat. From University oh, Traditions. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got another trivia question. Make sure you're on the YouTube pages, okay? So make sure you rate, review, subscribe. You can check out the hats uh, when we come back, of course. So when we uh, when we do that, we'll give away a hat when we come back. Here was my conversation with Outkicks, Trey Wallace. Trey, good to have you on the show, man. Good to see you. How are you? Man, I'm good. Uh, you know what? There's never any kind of off season when it comes to college sports. So uh, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's good, man. There's always stuff going on, crazy enough as it sounds. So thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. So obviously, football. We're gonna talk football. Got a lot of questions for you about football. But you have been reporting on the Tony Vitello situation, the Tennessee baseball coach who's been suspended. Um, you got the Brandon Miller situation, which is tragic and bizarre and weird at Alabama. Um, everyone sort of has their own opinions on that situation. Like what, what is happening in the SEC with these two situations sort of ongoing simultaneously? Is there anything that we should be learning about college athletics here? 
I mean, it's some crazy voodoo that's going on where you get these type of stories. I mean, it, it just, it, 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 I don't know, man. Like it, it's just bad. I think bad communication all around when it comes to both schools, you know, kind of handling situations. I think that when you, when we look at, you know, Alabama, I just, I continue to go back that I think the communications department and upper level at Alabama has kind of failed you know, Nate Oates and whatnot and, and what to say or the timing of certain situations or when you have a press conference that says, hey, you know what? No questions about anything else about the game. But then you go in, there's six questions about not the game. And it's <laughs> like there's there's nobody like putting the hammer down. And I so I, I, I just think there's a and we'll get into it. But there's a lot of stuff going on over there. And then you got Tennessee baseball that. It's been dealing with an eligibility issue with the player, but then in the meantime, a coach is kind of being looked at by the NCAA. So they decide, okay, we're going to self-impose a, a suspension and and hope this kind of goes away. And there were measures why they did that. It was a preventative measure, but yeah, just two different wild stories by two different schools, uh, a tragic one on one side and uh, a recruiting kind of incident on the other that turns into a suspension. So never a dull moment. No. And it feels, and again, I want to talk football with you, man, but it does feel, yeah, bizarre. Yeah. it feels bizarre that like one coach is being suspended again, albeit self self-imposed, but for some like recruiting stuff, like run of the mill, you're kind of your run of the mill NCAA stuff, and and meanwhile, a guy allegedly brought a handgun to a murder and is still playing basketball. So I'm not saying that he should be in prison or that should be he should be kicked off the team, but I I, I can't see how he should be playing. Meanwhile, Tennessee baseball doesn't have his coach for a little while because some recruiting stuff. Like I, it's just it it just the two stories overlaid to me like confuse my brain and hurt my brain. So yeah, no, it did, and it and it. You know, I mean, hell, it all happened within a three-day span. I mean, we go from Tuesday, and then we go, you know, until, until right. Thursday, Friday with that one. So, yeah, it, it overlaps, but also, you know, I I personally think Alabama could have could have gotten ahead of this thing, and yep. we wouldn't have been sitting here towards the end of February. Yep. No before question. we got, you know. <laughs> no question about crazy it. Crazy enough. Um, all right, the, the, the combines this week, uh, there's gonna be three quarterbacks there, obviously, four technically, um, from the SEC, three of which appear to be first round picks. Hendon Hooker is going to be there as well. Do, do you have a ranking personally, Bryce Young, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson? Um, Hendon Hooker, do you personally have a ranking, and do you think we come out of the combine with different perspectives about those quarterbacks? Because not, not everybody at the combine is, you know, like the, the information that comes out of there is not always about like how good a football player you are. No, and, and a lot of times it's, you know, sometimes there's not the most accurate information that comes out of a combine as well. It's all about trying to spin it. But, I mean, I, I you know, if, if you look at the quarterback situation, like, do I think that Bryce Young has more upside than Will Levis? Yeah, I, I do. I, I think the kid has been able to, you know, if you're able to play quarterback at, at, at Alabama and, and take – some of the hits that you're taking, but also run the schemes that you're running. And to me, it feels like all around type of player. Like I look at Will Levis to me has a, a, a couple problems. I think when it comes to uh, leadership on the field, I think that could be something that could be looked at. You know, I also think that when you look at Levis and, and how he plays the game, he's got, some mobility and we've seen that 
But I, I just think right now, like if you're putting like I, I saw those, you know, those those mock drafts and whatever, and, and they were talking about Will Levis at one. Like I, you know, I, I told this to somebody the other day. Like I sat there and watched two years straight of Will Levis. And I never felt like during that time that he was like a top five draft pick. Like I, I, I did, you know, even yeah. the games that he was involved in. Yeah. He takes his team down the field in a few and wins it. But like, overall, I just never saw that. And maybe it's something that I'm missing. Maybe in the NFL, you know, he can be this new quarterback type of deal, but man, I, I, I just struggled. And I look at, you know, the other quarterbacks, you know, in the draft, you know, and, and I feel like, well, okay, how does how does CJ play it out? And then what happens with Bryce? Does somebody trade up and decide, okay, we want to go Bryce a little bit earlier than possible? But you know, then Braden, what if somebody decides, you know what, let's let's flip the script here and go Jalen Carter, and then things get lost in the shuffle when it comes to quarterbacks and they have to make their moves. Like there's a lot of storylines, especially even with Anthony Richardson, you know, at this combine that I think we're gonna get a firm grasp of where things stand going into the draft. Uh, talk about a young man who, uh, first of all, the athletic ability is off the charts, but we were just talking about Alabama being like completely tone deaf with its behavior. Talk about a guy, a young man who decided at the beginning of the year, you know what? AR 15 is not exactly the right nickname for me. And I'm just going to do the right thing. Nobody asked me to do it. I'm just going to do it. Cause I think it's the right thing. That's called being uh, aware of, of what's going on out there in the world. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, well, it's also a good public relations team. Yep, and, and, yep. and you know what? Okay. This is not going to work out. Let's, you know, we have to, we have to have sympathy and we have to have, know our understood, you know, yep. surroundings about what had happened to make that incident yep. or he changed his name. And yeah, I mean, I give him all the credit and, and guess what? It wasn't a story after three or four days. He just said, Hey, I want to get rid of the name. And you move forward. So it, it just, you know. No, we it, talked it, about it. We talked about it earlier on the show. Like, it's just a nickname. So the far left's going to lose their mind over just a nickname. But the yeah. far right, the far right's going to lose its mind trying to cover up the fact that we have major gun violence problems in this country. And if his right. name, if he gets called AR-15 on a draft night by Roger Goodell and and there's like a school shooting the week before it would be all hell's all hell's breaking loose from a PR standpoint so so again right. just just a young man looking at the landscape and his PR team and the Florida Gators saying you know what maybe we just shouldn't do this that i i, I digress i digress no um, but i think that, that would, look billy napier first year you know uh i don't think it was him that like sat it down and said anything about it but i would say that Hey, that's a smart move yeah. by, by 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 everybody involved to get rid of that and not have that be a problem for the rest of the year. So yeah, I, I give them credit compared to what some other stuff is going on. Uh, do you have any thoughts on on Florida? While we're talking Florida, Florida and the, the Gators going into year two, I don't think nobody expected. You know, I mean, I think nobody expected greatness out of year one of Gator of Florida, but there's been some more turmoil maybe than people think. Um, now they've got a 29 year old coordinator in Austin, Austin Armstrong. What do you make of Billy Napier heading into year two? I I mean, uh, let, let's not forget, it It pretty much looks like Florida's going into spring practice without a wide receivers and a tight ends coach. I mean, you don't see that often. You don't, you know, and I know moves were made in the last, you know, two weeks where you know, that could happen and you don't want to rush a hire, but you are trying to install maybe not a new offense, but you got a new quarterback. And you're trying to figure this out and you don't have a tight ends or a wide receivers coach. And I get others can move over to that spot and help out and whatnot and GAs or whatever, yeah. whatever they decide to do. But I think 
you know, offensively, this is just, it's a new era, man. And, and, and a new era in his second year, like he, like Billy didn't get that opportunity to have Anthony Richardson for two years and only got him for one. And, and, and I think they mismanaged him, you know, in, in a ton of games this past season too. And, and I look at, we got, we're rolling Graham Mertz as a starting quarterback for the Florida Gators in, in 2023. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if that is going to be, you know, if, if he wins the competition, they got a, they got a, a decent amount of playmakers on offense. I think the defense is still going to be the struggle point of Florida right now. And I also think that when you look at what Billy Napier is trying to do, you also have to set yourself up and figure out, okay, what is successful in 2023? Like, what's the number, yeah. you know, it, it, because if you come out and you win seven games, Florida fans are going to like that. If you tack on one in the bowl game, they're going to be eight. I mean, maybe you see some kind of progression, but that's Florida. I, I just, you know, personally, I think that this, I think this football team has a few more years before Billy Napier really has his hands around this program. And I think that's going to come with recruiting classes. They're going to have to figure that out. The transfer portal, uh, what they're going to do at quarterback, you know, in, in, in the future that they've got some guys, but I think, I think when you look at Billy Napier, he's still trying to adjust man. And he's got so many people, I think, in that state where now it's turned into that, okay, now we got a real battle with Mike Norvell for recruiting. We got a big battle with, you know, Mario Cristobal is trying to set up base with John Ruiz. And I just look at Florida and I'm like, okay, you guys got to start nailing down some of these recruits. And I, and, and I think that, you know, overall, look, product on the field, I don't know what it's going to look like next year because – if I've watched Graham Mertz play at Wisconsin, and if that's what they're rolling with at Florida, it's going to be very interesting for 2023. I, I agree. I do think being freed of the Wisconsin offensive system will allow him to probably have his best season. But is he good yeah. enough to? But is he good enough to like win you a game in the fourth quarter? I, that that remains to be seen. Um, you talk about expectations. What what is a reasonable expectation? Hugh Freeze is already out there day one and two of spring practice, just raving about his team already, doing the whole B baby Billy thing. What what um uh, what what are reasonable expectations for Auburn in year one? I mean, I think seven wins, six six wins, seven wins. I mean, you look at. Look at their quarterback situation right now. It's not the best in the world. And that's why I've been under the impression that, you know, once that spring portal period opens up, I think they go after a quarterback, at least a veteran that can add something to it. I mean, look, you got, in my opinion, it's it's Robbie Ashford and you got TJ Finley that, that's back out there. Look, they would, I think that they would have wanted to find a guy to bring in for spring practice. Uh, that didn't play out well enough. Uh, I mean, it was great. You know, Grayson McCall goes back to, to, to coastal Carolina. There were you know a couple others that were looking at maybe didn't fit the system, but I think when you, I think after the spring practices, when you're going to see, you know, Auburn potentially add that quarterback that maybe comes in and fights for that spot, but see, you know, and I liked, I liked the way Robbie Ashford played at times last year. I'm interested to see what this looks like with Hugh freeze as his quarterback coach. Um, yeah. I don't because I don't think TJ Finley's the guy. Like I, I <laughs> no. it, it's just somebody that's on the depth chart. No offense to TJ Finley. I mean, maybe he comes out and shines, but I think offensively, I think even defensively, 
I think that look, you're bringing in a you're you're overhauling the offense. This is something complete. You're going from Brian Harson's offense to Hugh Freeze. That's a complete overhaul. So you know you have to you better make the most out of every single day in the spring. And then you you know you look at the defensive side of the football. Yeah, I I think they have talent at linebacker, and I think they have some talent on the defensive line. But you you look at it right now, they got to shore up the secondary, in my opinion. Um, and it's crazy that we're already in the spring practice, you know, with with Auburn <laughs> kicking things off. Like it's just it's, awesome. it's mind blowing. But it's I, awesome, baby. Yeah, no, I love it. I, I just I I feel like uh, that that Auburn fans just need to hold on for like a year or two. I think Hugh could turn it around, but it's going to take some time and it's going to take some recruiting. No, Trey, that was the greatest first day of spring practice that any football program has ever had in the history of the world. The way they were running one-on-ones when I saw a video, <laughs> dude, blew my mind. It, the quarterback's throwing against oh, air. Oh. Honestly, it gave me, you know, a little feeling that Auburn, that added a win, the way yeah, that I least. saw those quarterbacks. One day of practice, Vegas win total has already gone up. Uh, Alabama's quarterback battle, Georgia's quarterback battle. Do you have a better sense of how they're going to play out? Which one's more important? Both have new coordinators the two best programs in this conference, maybe the two best programs in all of college football going through very similar situations. What do you make of the two quarterback battles this spring? I think Georgia would really like to go with Carson Beck if he steps up and takes the job. You know, I I, I think that, you know, it's not like we've gotten to to watch, you know, Vandergriff and, and get Carson Beck right up close, you know, for a number of games. But I think that, the, you know, in talking with folks, they, they would love to take see Carson Beck, just take the ball and kind of run with it and be the guy. Um, I think you have a different situation at Alabama. I think that Ty Simpson, Jalen Milrow, like two different types of quarterbacks. Yeah. I think that, you know, there's where the battle is going to lie. And I, you know, that I was even thinking before spring practice, okay, does Alabama go out and add just a veteran like to, to bring into the system? Like I know Alabama doesn't do that often, go out and get a transfer portal quarterback per se. Um, but I think in this situation, it could suit them because you're putting a lot on. I mean, this look, if if you're doing it, you're rolling with Ty Simpson and you're and you're heading into 2023. And I think that the backup situation, like I don't know if Jalen Milrow's that guy. We got to see him in a few games, but I still don't know if he's that guy. And Ty Simpson, yeah, he's got a hell of an arm. But it's all about, you know, running the offensive system. What's Tommy Reese going to do at Alabama? And look, it's Nick Saban's system, okay? But, you know, Nick Saban said, look, Tommy, you're going to run this. You can add a couple wrinkles if you would like to, but you're going to run this type of offense. And I feel like right now it's Bobby Ty Simpson, but um, looking at both schools, Braden, you know, I think, I think Georgia has got to head up right now. I think of where they want to go in this spot compared to where it'd be Alabama, which is not a bad thing. No, no, better than Alabama. That's not, not a bad thing at all. Um, Tennessee yeah. and Tennessee and LSU surprised a lot of people last year. I mean, I think everybody expected them both to be good teams. I don't think anybody expected LSU to win the division and for Tennessee to what what would have been a 12 team playoff, make the playoff in that situation. Um, obviously Tennessee's replacing a lot more, than LSU is. LSU is probably better suited to kind of maintain that standard. But how much of a step back should fans expect at both of these programs? Is it just Tennessee? Is it both programs? What are your What are your expectations on stepping back at at a place like Tennessee? At, at Tennessee, it's okay. Be prepared for 
if Joe Milton does not look like Joe Milton from the Orange Bowl or Joe Milton from the Vanderbilt game. Like you get keep that in the back of your head, okay? And it and it and to, in my opinion, it's all about you know who would you roll with second? Like you can't. I know who everybody's talking about and everybody's going to be looking at like when when Tennessee opens up spring practice and there's that first <laughs> air on air and you know what Nico's back there throwing the football and somebody's going to get 50,000 page views because this guy threw a 40 yard, you know, route. I, I just calm your expectations. Okay. <laughs> like this kid is coming into this program fresh. He still needs to put on some weight. He's got to learn the offense. There's a lot of steps for this kid to be able to come in and, and, and be an SEC quarterback. Um, I, I feel like they feel Tennessee is like, okay, we got Joe Milton, but we don't have the Joe Milton from two years ago. We have a different Joe Milton. And I think that's a, a good philosophy. I think that's a good outlook on how things are going to be because he has changed, man. And I think two years under behind Hendon hooker and, and learning the offense better, I think it helps him in the long run. And if Tennessee can get the most out of him. I think, you know, you're losing a lot of production on offense, you know, but besides the quarterbacks, but I think running back, they're going to be fine. Offensive line. You got to fill some gaps here, you know, wide receiver. Uh, who's going to be that next guy to kind of stick. We saw squirrel white come out and, and play well. You know, there's a number of guys. I, I just, you know, to me, they've added spots on defense where they needed, which was linebacker. Obviously, you know, I mean, Jeremy Banks, you know, Jawan Mitchell stuff, you know, that was a long year having to deal with that. Um, but expectations, I think Tennessee, you know, eight wins, nine wins this year as they look to their quarterback of the future, yep. you know, and, and it looks different in 24. LSU is a different story. To me, they got Jaden Daniels. To me, that they've got uh, running backs that can get down the field. To me, I think. We saw what LSU was going to look like in that back half of the season, those final six games. Like, I, I just, you know, even with the losses, whatever, Texas A&M, whatnot, Jaden Daniels is, in my opinion, was the steal when it came to the transfer port on the SEC at the quarterback spot. I think the kid could have a great year. And I think that you yeah. look at, I think Braden, like Brian Kelly comes in, and yeah, things don't get off to the best start in the world, but you start to see like an implement of what Brian Kelly wants on both sides of the ball. And, you know, by the end of the season, yeah, I, th I think they were there. Yeah, did they get slaughtered and, you know, in Atlanta? Okay, yeah, sure. wasn't close, but whatever. Like, it, yeah. I don't think they take a step back is what I'm getting at. I, yep. I think they can still fight the conference. Uh, all right, he's been very gracious with your time, man. We do appreciate you. Is this the happiest – I mean, obviously, there was a tragedy at Mississippi State, but they had a great year, and people are excited about the job that Zach Arnett has done. So just sort of – and normally I would say Auburn doesn't count because Auburn's Auburn, but I I said this last year. This is the happiest I've seen the SEC fan bases going into a season ever, and I think this year they might actually be even more because even Auburn right now is excited. Is this the happiest in your career that you've ever seen, like all 14 fan bases heading into spring and summer football? <laughs> Everybody has high expectations to be better than last year, which should be an obvious, but I mean, you know, you, you've still got some pro I mean, Missouri fans are happy. Like they're, they're at least excited about spring ball. Okay. Well, that's interesting. You know, Kentucky, <laughs> Kentucky fans. Okay. They feel like they've got it. And you look at Columbia, South Carolina. I mean, that, 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 that fan base is fire. 
stoking yep. it, ready yep. for more to see what's next. So, I mean, I, I agree with you. And, it, you know, the biggest question mark, and let's be honest, in, in this offseason is going to be College Station and what that situation <laughs> looks like with quarterbacks and, and coaching and whatnot, Bobby Petrino. Um, I think, you know, I think the rest of the conference is like, okay, we're excited to see what the future looks like. Let's see what changes. And College Station, like, no, you better fix this right now. So these better be the right moves. So I think there's more nervousness out of that fan base and any other in the yeah. SEC. Always a pleasure, my man. Thank you for being so gracious with your time. We do appreciate you. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks, dude. Had fun, buddy. Appreciate you. That was Trey Wallace, of course, of OutKick. You can catch all his work there. I've been on his show a bunch. Uh, does a great job. Um, yeah, it's interesting watching like Tennessee suspend a baseball coach for like a recruiting violation and Brandon Miller still playing basketball. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, also, some interesting stuff there with the Florida Gators and how they just need a little bit more time to continue developing. They now, they now have a 29-year-old defensive coordinator in Austin Armstrong, so that's going to be wild to keep an eye on. Um, we've obviously got all the, you know, all the uh, stuff going on at the Combine and, you know, a bunch of other things we talked about. So uh, you want to give some stuff away, Dukes? Sure, let's do it. Okay, so uh, first of all, check out this one. University Traditions, if you're on the YouTube page, rate, review, subscribe. Also, if you're on the YouTube page and or listening to this, I don't even have a hat yet. So, But look what I've got for you. Look, this is a gift. I've got a that's gift for, me? for you. Look at this. Is that for me or are we giving it away? No, it's for you. Oh, I spoke look too soon. Look at that. Wait, I love that. Sean's going to steal it for sure, but that's okay. It's not a Tennessee hat. It's a Vanderbilt hat. I know. Well. There you go. I got one you, for you. Can Check you get Sean out. one? Maybe. Well, we'll see. I know people. Um. All right. So here's a, here's a, here's another Tennessee version. It's Ooh, cool that's slick. He's gonna that want that one. That one's my favorite. I've actually purchased that one twice. I think I'll buy it <laughs> if you just tell me how much it costs. Go ahead. Here's an Arkansas one. There's a nice Ooh, Arkansas that's... one there. Okay. Oh, these are slick. Yeah, dude. Ole Miss. This one's really nice. I like love that. that. One. that Loving pretty, that. Pretty sweet. There. Yeah. Okay. Um, all black Georgia. Okay. Pretty dope. Like that Ooh. one. Pretty slick there. Um, I don't know about this uh, flaccid, dangly penis uh, right here. Um, this this Florida hat. Uh, I hate you right now. Please <laughs> put it down and don't say that or flesh bomb ever again. Does, Keep does, going. Doesn't it look like? Also, why is it so? That, there's. Doesn't Florida look like genitalia? And it's, it just, it just and does. it's smaller than the other states. <laughs> <laughs> there. What are they making up for, Aaron? What? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, here's an all orange one. That's bright. You got to get that oh, one. Oh wow. Light. Pretty cool. So there you go. There's a, there's a bunch of cool stuff on there. University traditions. Check them out. A lot of really cool stuff. Um, all right. So, Aaron, you competed at an at a high SEC level in college in a activity. Call it what you will. In yeah, a sport activity thing. Sport. But like at a high, we're not talking about like, you know, me playing nope. flag football with the frat house. You know it what I mean? It was the collegiate level. It was. Yes. Yes. It was yes. on the collegiate level. Aaron Dugan competed and was very good at this particular thing in college. What was it? What do, was it? Do, 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 what team do, was she on? Do, do. I'll keep going. What do, team was she on? Do, do, First person to tweet at us or get into the YouTube comments with the correct answer will get a free hat from University Traditions. But you got to get the exact right answer and phrase it in the form of a question. I'm just kidding. I won't get going. <laughs> I thought I thought we had hit the post perfectly. I finished my spiel right as you stopped singing. It was perfect. But that's what happens on Jeopardy too. That you think the song's over, and then you're like, "Oh, they got more time." Because it's like, 
and it keeps this, going on the higher octave. This condiment was made from mustard hey, seed. Hey, spoiler alert or hint, it was not singing clearly. <laughs> rough, 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 just the way your mother likes it, Trebek. <laughs> oh, get the god, that skit. Love oh, a little feral so moment. Turd, okay. Turd Ferguson, it's a funny name. It's funny. <laughs> um, who's gonna win the hat? Which one are you giving away, or do they get to pick between those? It, well, it's their favorite team. Whoever gets it right picks the team. Uh, do you uh, win for every single school? Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Let's hope somebody from Arkansas, Ole Miss, or Georgia wins one. No, we will give you a hat. Whatever your favorite team is, we'll give you a hat. If you get the trivia question right, please rate, review, subscribe. Chime into the comments. Timestamp in the comments of the YouTube video or on Twitter, at Braden Gall, at the Aaron Dugan. Tag us with the correct answer, and we will give you a hat courtesy of University Traditions, our great and wonderful friends at University Traditions. Thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah, absolutely. They're great people, man. Thanks for hanging out with us. They're big football fans, big SEC fans. Thanks to Trey Wallace for hanging out with us as well. Enjoy the combine, whatever the hell that means. Uh, We'll talk to you guys next week. For Aaron Dugan, I'm Braden Gall. This has been Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. Clearly our love language is gifts giving and not words of affirmation. (laughs)